This is Counterculture with Marie Busky. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. on Reality Chick Radio. Welcome back to Counterculture here with Marie on Reality Check Radio. And one of my all-time favorite guests is back this morning. And she's got a cup of tea. I've got my coffee. We're ready for a good old girly catch-up. And that is Helen Houghton, leader of the New Conservative Party. Morning, Helen. Morning, Marie. I absolutely love coming on your show. I mean, obviously I like your other hosts as well, but you know, you're one of my favorites too. It's um just really nice to be here. So I know we can chat about all sorts of really cool things and there's no um limit. So no, thank you. No, it's lovely and relaxing. Your neat chat with Rodney too the other day. Yeah, so yeah. if you haven't caught that. Make sure you download the new app, people, and go to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And you um, you did a speed dating with Rodney He's, as part of his political speed dating series. So uh, catch that. But no, it's pointy end now, isn't it? It's sort of all getting pretty frenetic. So I appreciate you coming on and you and I having a cuppa and a catch up. How's it going? Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, you know, last night, late last night, I was in a debate this morning just before you. I was live on Radio Rima. Uh, two days ago, I was in Auckland for the day. And, you know, weekend, the few days before that, I was travelling Nelson and Blenheim. It's just every day there's interviews or debates, uh, sometimes two to three on a day. Absolutely crazy. So this weekend I'm uh, recording some ads for TV and then I've got a TV news News interview, amazing, next week. So we'll see how that goes. But um, fortunately, they are going to cover some of the smaller parties that they haven't covered yet. Fancy that. I think this is just it. There is definitely, I think we talked about this last time, there's definitely a a mood of change out there. Mm. I mean, are you still getting that feeling when you're out and about talking to people? and you're Absolutely. Absolutely, Marie. And I think that's probably why they're reaching out as well, because they know, you know, what's the percent of people that have stopped watching or listening to uh, mainstream media? They have to capture them again. And to do that, you know, they have to actually be addressing the fact that they're not covering everybody in the society who wants to hear from all of the views out there instead of that one source of truth. Kudos to them, but we'll see how we go with the interview and, you know, the questioning. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I'm sure we can chat about it next time, Marie, if we get a chance after we view what they cover and how much of it they do put on the news of my interview. And I think you're right because, I mean, the polls – I mean, it feels like there's a lot more polling this time, but the polls have definitely shown that the percentage of New Zealand voters that are looking elsewhere for a vote in in one of the parties that are outside those top, particularly the top two and even the top four, is a, a significant proportion. And, you know, that's a big chunk of the electorate nationwide so yeah it is good and we know this too just with what we're having here at RCR the the numbers that we're seeing coming through digitally with us it's people are engaging they're wanting to engage with news and the process and debate and discussion but they're not going back to those yeah more traditional sources so you know we we're certainly very appreciative of that it sounds like a busy old time for you how's their education because of course you and I like to talk about this you're one of the leading lights in regards to highlighting some of the issues around the REC situation mm. within education I feel like in this campaign so far, Helen, that crime and the cost of living has kind of overshadowed some of the serious concerns that there are in education and a lot of very, very poor policy 
and curriculum decisions are just being let to run rife in a way. Is that a feeling that you're getting? Uh, yeah, obviously with the, the government, however, the smaller parties, I mean, we're all talking about it. With the education, probably since last time I've spoken to you, I have been in numerous uh, meetings and they're not the general public meetings that I would or that a politician would put on. They're actually, these meetings have been put on for me across um, across Canterbury, for example, around uh, parents. So there's a whole groups of parents who are coming together. I've been going out to the meetings already planned and I just turn up and, and they want to hear about what's happening in education. So while you don't have the mainstream media or or the main parties talking about it, the communities are. And I think that's huge. And and I think we'll be in for a bit of a shock come voting. You may not see it all on the polls, but people are talking and they are doing their own research and they're really showing, you know, that critical thinking that they've, we talked about before, they've switched off mainstream media. Okay, for an example, the leaders debate, you know, I turned it on <laughs> and five minutes later I turned it off because what you just said, you know, they're not discussing the the reality. It's it's all about, oh, what one Chris isn't doing right, the other Chris is, you know, and they're just attacking each other and it's like, the public don't care about the Chris's. It's like they actually care about the real issues that are going on that are affecting us, that are affecting our children, our well-being. You know, we're all suffering. It's not It's not just restricted to some sections of society. Everyone is finding it hard. So if you've got people who, you know, married couples who are working and are struggling, imagine then those who are at that scale that's always struggling. Imagine how they're surviving. And yet those things aren't talked about. You know, we've got two guys on TV, you know, it's all about them. So, yeah, that's quite frustrating. So I was really disinterested in hearing anything that they had to say after that. I talked to Paul about it briefly, the breakfast the following day. What totally blew me away was the sameness between mm. them. There was not really, a, a, if you were wanting to vote for change, change is not going to happen by voting from red to blue or blue to red. To me, it was same shit, different day with a pair of them, to be brutally honest. And it was semantics over what the differences were. They had more in common than they had indifference. And I think that voting public is seeing that. I think you're right that there will be a uh, a surprise. I called that with Marty the other day. I think that there is going to be some surprises thrown up. And I think it will send a very, very clear message this cycle that Kiwis are looking for something different. So the interesting thing will be for the next election cycle is whether or not there will be a coalescing of those parties around single ideas and a, and a cooperation. I know you've been working very hard to try and do that this time around, but I think the intent is now there, isn't it? I, I think you're right. A lot of people were like kind of trying to force the issue oh, everybody join together and everyone do that. I think it was really unrealistic to expect that that would happen easily and overnight like that. I and those sorts of things take time. On my travels recently, banged into a, yeah, I've, I've banged into a few leaders recently on my travels campaigning and we've had really good conversations and I think this is what the public need to appreciate, that all the leaders want to do the right thing by the people, but you have to appreciate that we've also gone in here for different reasons and it will take time to 
to get those leaders together and actually have conversations without that pressure of people thinking that you can just all join together and it's going to be a happy, happy family. No, we need to work together. And like you said, maybe the next election, you know, we'll have a lot more opportunity to go back and forward and to a vote. And I think that's important. Who would want all of us getting together and then getting into parliament and then we crash because we haven't actually built up that really good working relationship. So yeah, watch this space for next Mm. election. But look, anything's still possible. And yeah, we'll just... Have to see what happens there. So Mm. these meetings, these meetings that these parents have been calling and that you've been going to, what are the concerns that these parents are talking about at the meetings? What's the issues that they're raising? Still the sex ed. Huge, hugely concerned. You know, that's when I share anything politically, the most engagement that we get is when we talk about the sex and the gender. Mm. Really. You know, I mean, yes, we know about the cost of living. We're all struggling. But at the end of the day, if you're a parent, what matters the most to you is your children or your grandchildren. So every parent, those who know about it, are up in arms and jolly good. I'm blessed that I've been able to be in that space. It's a great feeling after four years of, you know, being one of the first educators to come out of the education sector and fight it. At that time, being the pariah in the school where I had colleagues who would say to me, you know, Helen, I really respect you, but I don't believe this is happening. To now, four years later, everybody's freaking out about it, you know, and there's so many good teachers who have left because of it instead of standing up and saying no. You know, I would like to know who's in the Ministry of Education. We need to have these conversations. Who's directing this stuff? And we're not finished yet. We've got heaps to do. Trust me, there's things happening. So since we last talked, talked to a few people, do you, are you aware of the, you, you probably know the Gender Resist, what are mm. they? Resist Gender mm. Education Marg, Group. Marg, who Yeah, Marg, but also there's another lady. She put out a, a complaint to the Teaching Council and a group of us teachers signed it. So what happened there was after that, I went on, I think it was a platform and had a wee chat, and then they brought on Leslie Hoskin, who's the CEO of the Teaching Council, and she tried to say, you know, this isn't happening and, you know, no, we don't tell teachers to use other pronouns and all of this stuff. Anyway, it was a complete fabrication. It caused me to come on the next day to actually say, no, she's wrong. But during her interview, she tried to say that she had reached out to new conservatives to have a chat about all of this. You know, so clearly she's been listening to new conservative talking about all of this stuff and it alarmed her enough to bring her out, you know, of her office yeah. and go on public to talk about it. So I think that's massive success, Marie, because we've brought them out and they have to now address it. And that's because little people like us are actually saying no and standing up for it. What happened there, though, is, like I said, she tried to say that she's reached out to us. Now, they're reaching out to us. All I received was an email, and in that email was a letter saying why they deregistered the teacher and the justification around that. So I responded to that, and I said, I would really like to uh, have a conversation with Leslie Hoskin, a one-to-one chat about what the issues are. The response I received was this. Leslie has has received your request and she will get back to you in due time. Now, this is months ago. Mm. Nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. However, we have had a response from the letter of complaint that Resist Gender Education put up that we all signed. They have responded finally. They've given us an answer. And basically, they are passing the ball. Okay, they're saying that it's not them. It's not them. It's the uh, tribunal. And if you look into all the details about who the tribunal are, it's like one ex-teacher You've got a lawyer, and I think there was somebody else. There's like three people on a panel that get to decide whether a teacher is striped off or not. Three people make that decision. And so the teaching council are trying to pass the buck onto the tribunal, (laughs) and yet it's the teaching council directions that, you know, it's not like we're ticked off, but that's what the principal or school leaders go through to see if you are going to reach that uh, registration next time and they'll say what they're saying the teaching council are saying is that it's not enforced they're saying it's a guidance I mean come on <laughs> these <laughs> this guidance is actually what we are critiqued on and if we are not doing this this and this and that will depend on what kind of school you're in so if they're yeah. a really pro you know rainbow tick school fully embrace out you're out and, and so your is- teaching registration is gets decided on, you know, depending on, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they're they're weaponising that tribunal, which is exactly what they've gone and done in the health sector. They've weaponised the Mm. medical council, they've weaponised the nursing boards and the midwifery councils in order to horizontally police their members. What you're describing is exactly the same thing. There is that, gosh, you know, if you were a teacher and you held gender-critical views... It must be just an absolute minefield, particularly if you've been a long-standing teacher within a school environment that all of a sudden has become very permissive of these views. Where do you go? I mean, you you've got work and teachers and a body of work, and then you're just literally feeling trapped, wouldn't you? I think it'd be awful. Uh, are you right? And this is what I mean. There's many teachers who have left. Great teachers, great educators have left rather than address it, because it's such a big thing, right? It's such a beast in the ministry. It's like, who's directing it? So we need to unpack all that and Mm. find out under the covers who's actually doing this. And that's what I'm going to be pushing for really soon, trust me. So we need to do that because we're losing those longstanding teachers who, you know, no wonder education is failing because the great teachers are leaving. Those who have been doing an incredible job for decades are walking out because they cannot stand this woke, this nonsense that they know is is wrong. You know, I'm a little bit cross because it's like, well, come on, guys, you know that what I started, why are you not all getting on board this? There are a few now, which is good, but there's also school leaders who are struggling because they're being forced. So, yeah, it's it's like we have to actually go to the root and Mm. rip out that cancer because Mm. It's impacting schools everywhere, Christian schools as well. Every school is impacting. Now, can I just divert only a tiny little bit? I know you're the host. (laughs) You divert away, Helen. You divert away. It's just this is something really important to the listeners, and it's huge because have you heard about the book, the book, the controversial sex education book? Is this the one that's targeted at 11-year-olds that's got Yep, um, it's got that explicit oh. sexual, it's like pornography, it's filth, right? Yeah. I don't know whether you've heard, but recently, this is in the newspaper, that they're going to potentially pull it from the library. But what, what I want your 
listeners to know is this is something really important that they can do. The articles in the Star News and the heading is Controversial Sex Education Book Could Be Pulled from the Library. It's by Daniel Alvary, Alvey, and what it's saying is, have your say, do you think this book should be available in the district's libraries? Send your views in 200 words or less to daniel.alvey at Star Media Kiwi. So I would encourage everyone listening now to go and send away your thoughts about this book that's called Welcome to Sex, which is completely pornographic. Do you know, I don't know how much you know about it, but there's a lecturer at Canterbury University who actually thinks it's a fabulous parenting tool. I mean, what the heck is she thinking? Is she even a parent? My gosh, Marie, I'd like to get some of these people in, in a room and just work out what the heck's in their head. She may have these thoughts, but you don't get to tell everybody, every section of society, all families, all parents, that that, that just because you think it's okay, that we should all be this liberal and allow our children to be so sexualized at a young age. How dare they? Oh, mm, the, there is, one of the things doing this job is this was sort of an element, an avenue that I was sort of blissfully unaware of as a parent. And I've spoken to some incredible people, you know, like yourself, like Mark, you know, just recently I've spoken to the like of Ali Marie Diamond and Gloria Masters and Denise Ritchie. There's just so many women, Helen Taylor just recently from Exodus Cry. And I've got actually booked uh, later in the month, a young man from Australia called Daniel Prince P, which we got uh, recommended by Ali Marie and these are all people working in this space. And I, I'm actually embarrassed to admit how unaware I was and actually how perversive a lot of this information is as part of the overall ideology and the damage it's causing with uh, the mental health of our young people. It really is applying pressure to them, which is creating anxieties and Mm affecting their relationships. It's really quite concerning. You're right. And they all think it's tickety-boo and and progressive and wonderful. Yeah, I mean, what happened to safeguarding children? What Mm. the heck happened? I get so cross, and I will continue this fight until we actually have some better protections around children. Yeah, and especially when you think about a school who are supposed to be trusted, you know, they've got a duty to provide safe learning spaces and yet the um, ones pushing this, the extremists that are pushing it, are using that as saying that, you know, we're not providing those safe spaces for particular sections of society. So in terms of the education department at the moment, I mean, you've got a minister, well, you know, we all know, I mean, good grief, can you oh, spell her name? Don't, don't, anyway, yeah, you better not, yeah, no, you better not, not get started on that. Um, so the likelihood is that she will no, no, long, no longer be the minister, minister. However, you are dealing with a body of people that will not be changing, and I know mm. leadership is important, but it's not everything. So I'm assuming that once the campaign is over, your advocacy work in this space will continue. If there is a change of government, it's looking likely that new conservative won't be in that tent, but your ability to advocate will be. How are those major parties looking? What's Nationals policy, X policy around this gender education within a department? Is there going to be an ability to roll this back? Or are they just sort of doing monkey see, monkey do, and just hoping it'll all disappear and let them carry on as normal? Yeah, monkey see, monkey, whatever. Look, I approached 
a national candidate earlier on this year, and they told me because I had this citizens initiative referendum, and they told me they were happy with the system, what you know, the way things were at, the, at that time. There's no focus, like you even heard Chris talking recently about, you know, why people, some of these leaders talking about transgenders in the toilets, saying it's not concerning. Well, it is, and you know, we're all talking about it. The same as the education stuff. It's like they've got blinkers on or something. But, yeah, you're right. Look, like I said before, we've brought out Leslie Hoskin, the CEO, and to me that's a huge win. So everything that we've been doing, and this is outside of parliament, you have got other leaders now from those smaller parties are all talking about this where they weren't before. So for four years, over four years, I've been talking about it. And, okay, just an election year, I have to say, some of these other leaders are bringing it up now, which is a bit... A bit disappointing that they haven't been on board the whole time. However, it's great to see so many people talking about it because we do. We need everybody talking about it. So I think if we can do this much outside of Parliament, imagine how much more we will do inside. But, yeah, you're right. In three weeks' time, to be honest, I, I never went into politics thinking I was going to be a leader of the party. It was purely fighting this education stuff. So the role that I've had, the workload has been tremendous. And you know, it's not that I'm dropping the ball on that stuff, but I know that that's just been simmering. So watch out, I tell you. Watch out in three weeks' time, Marie, because I will have time to go back to that initial thing. And, yeah, it's, I'm going to blow it up big time, especially now that it's being talked about so much. So I've got a few things up my sleeve, which I will be doing in, yeah, just over three weeks. Awesome. Watch this space. Um, I will continue that advocacy in a huge way. So I'm going to the next stage now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, we can't wait to see that. And with any luck, we'll sneak one more cuppa and a chat in before we get to yeah. um, October 14, That would because I nice. always appreciate that. Now, before we disappear, Helen, did you get up to Auckland for the rally in front of, was it St. Patrick's Square, on the day that uh, the, the soup thrower here didn't turn up? Court was did not appear. So were you there? Did you go to the rallies? Speak up from what stand oh, up. Marie, uh, Marie, I I ran up there. Basically, I was not going to miss that. Yes, I booked my ticket way back as soon as I heard that she was coming back. But even when we found out that um, Posey Parker wasn't going to come, I thought that well, that's actually even more reason to do it to show that for her and her family to think that New Zealand is such a fearful place to be, for her to come and speak is even more reason that I went there to speak. So I got to speak. It was fantastic because clearly I was at the Auckland one way back when the juice thrower was there and I was on the rotunda, so I saw all that disgusting behaviour. So this time it was a little bit of a smaller group for both both sides, so you had the anti-woman people there as well. It was a better space, though, because you had a real good break where the anti-woman people couldn't actually come up and take over our space, which was great. And the police presence was fantastic. It really was, I have to say. There may have been 40-ish police there. It was wonderful. And you could see it at one particular time. So when we started talking, we were surrounded by all about all the people wanting to hear us, which was great. But you could hear the anti-woman people, the noise that um, they were trying to drown us out. At one moment, I saw the line of police just 
apparently there was a scuffle when they were trying to, you know, they were getting really triggered by what we were saying. And so the police kind of moved over there and, you know, made sure that they were contained in their space. But they were loud. However, it didn't drown us out and we achieved success. All of us women got to speak. It was absolutely incredible. The support from men, we had a lot of men there supporting us. And so a big shout out to you guys who are there. We love our guys in New Zealand that support the woman, the um, biological woman. So it was such a good day, a great opportunity, Marie. And um, yeah, like I said, as well as the advocacy for education, I'm going to advocate for our women. And I'm not going to stop until our Ministry for Women, and yet again, that's the same one as the Education Minister, uh, until they have uh, sex-based rights at the top of their priorities, we will not stop. There you go. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. great to be there. I know I asked Dylandy about the Ministry of Women a while ago, and she's like, I've sold out. I mean, what's the point of having a ministry for women when you've got a leader that doesn't even know what a woman is and they're not <sighs> there? To me, it is just paying lip service, isn't it, to women, and it's wrong. You don't hear a boo. You know, why is that? We had so many women there, and we're not listening, you know? We just ignored it. It's absolutely crazy. They, um, We did see a little bit of media there. However, unfortunately, they were more, they covered the anti-woman and didn't come over and listen to what we had to say, which is really unfortunate, but I'm sure we'll get an opportunity to speak at some point. So thank you for listening to that. Uh, thank you for talking about it today because it is a huge thing. 130 years since women got the vote it had only happened two days before. And so, you know, on the news they said that we've come a long way, but I put out to the uh, people watching on that day, I said, have we really come a long way when we cannot speak in a public space without being vilified. We'll keep talking. Oh, absolutely. Oh, thank you for filling me in on that. That was great. Hey, look, this is Helen Houghton, leader of the New Conservative Party here on Countercultural with Marie here on Reality Check Radio. Don't disappear. There's still more great content here to come, as always, including Media Matters and Woke News of the Week. Thanks, Helen. This is Counterculture with Marie Buskey. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. on Reality Check Radio.